this morning is let's turn to John chapter 4. We're going to be finishing up this account at the woman at the well. I want to say the last few weeks, but before that, um, as we, we talked this morning, I was going to get you to raise your hand, and I was like, we're not going to do that. Uh, but I want you to think right now. Uh, think right now, and, and don't raise your hand or anything of that nature, just a if you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you have called, uh, if you've called upon His name for salvation, is that you this morning? Have you come to Him in salvation? Have you quit trusting in yourself to save yourself from your sin and now trusting in Christ to be the Redeemer of your sin? Have you been saved? Can you think of a moment in which you called out to God and He came and He saved you from the sins of your life? Uh, first and foremost, I pray that's each and every one of us. I pray that that is a moment in which you can look back on it and you get. God, I would encourage you in just a moment that the gospel is one that's for all people, no matter where they're at in life. And I would pray and hope that God would call you and you would respond accordingly. But if you're here and that is you, and uh, most of us, we would probably claim to be that, that if you're here and you are a believer of Jesus Christ, I want you to know, first and foremost, this is a message that's especially for you and for myself. As you see on that is true. An evangelist, to, to, to put a terminology on it, it's one that shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. A hometown person that shares the gospel in what? His hometown. So let's stand together and read 7 through 42 says this, Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I have did. Can this be the Christ? Then went out of town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there is yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are wide for harvest. Already, to, already the ones who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together, for here is the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that you, for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans came uh, from the town, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me that all that I had ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they said to him to say, with them, and so he stayed there two days, and many more believed of his words. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, we glorify you this morning. God, we thank you for the good, good Father that you are, God, that you are a Father that loves aboundingly. God, loves so much that you would lay down your firstborn. Born, to be the sacrifice for us. That in this moment as we look at who Christ is, God, we're going to see as we look back that He is the water that quenches all thirst. He is the one that provides eternal life. And because of that, God, we stand here today, not only after reading the words that have come from Your mouth, Father, but because of who You are and what You accomplished for Christ, through Christ for us. 
And God, I just pray right now as we hear your word being preached, God, we respond as you would call. And God, that we would apply these truths to our lives today. We love you, we praise you, and we glorify you. In your son's perfect and holy name, amen. So this morning, before we get into the actual message, uh, I wanted to kind of just go back a little bit because we have taken this story of the woman at the well, which is 42 verses, and we have broken it down in three sermons. Uh, First thing we did was a message on the the two natures of Christ, how Christ was completely God and completely man, and how that was so sufficient and so necessary for our salvation, that because God, Christ was completely man, he could live this life and be sinned for, uh, live this life and defeat sin, but because he was completely God, he had the ability to not sin, and therefore when he was put to death, he would rise. And God had raised him up. And so that was what we talked about ago. And then last week, Troy preached, and he really went through the story of the woman at the well. We, he, he first and foremost talked about how they were that the Samaritans hated uh, the, the Jews, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. So for Christ to sit at the, the well in the midday talking to this woman was very unheard of. And then he goes on into the story. We see that um, Jesus asked for a drink of water. She says, I'm a Samaritan. And they get into this conversation about uh, the place of worship and all of that. And the two points Troy really made last week is that conversion, uh, salvation leads to evangelism, but also salvation, salvation leads to true worship. And true worship doesn't necessarily happen in a building, but it happens throughout our lives and to glory God in all things that we do. be known if you don't know the story that well is that the woman in which Christ is talking to is not just a woman of Samaria but she's a woman of Samaria that was also known as a harlot that she had been married four times and now living with a man that she was not married to known for her uh, promiscuity uh, in the town so because of that this is why she is at the well in the middle of the day because in this day and this time, all the women would go and they would gather water. Normally they would do it in the morning time when it was not hot, nor the sun beating down. And so they would gather the water, they would take it home to their families. But this woman, because of her sin, because of the, the being pretty much excommunicated from the women, uh, she is going midday to gather up all of this water that they would use for the cleaning uh, the utensils and clean clothes and to bathe with. So she's gathering a bunch of water at this town. And that's going to be significant later. We see this morning, as we get through all of that, we get to verses 8 and verse 27. I want to read real quick, if you're looking on with me. It says, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. That's going to be really, really significant later. It's about this story is that this is a conversation. They went to buy goods. They went to buy food and whatever they Seven. Then his disciples come back and marveled that he was. We see in verse 27 is the picture to this whole story is that Christ is sitting at this well in the middle of the day talking to a Samaritan woman that was known to be a harlot. And why that is all significant is because in that day and time it was uncustomary man to. Everyday life. Also, Jews did not talk to Samaritans. 
And so he was breaking a second little traditional thing here. And then the third was a Jewish man definitely did not speak to a woman that was known for being a harlot, right? Um, and so we see that Jesus is breaking down these three barriers. And the reason why that's so important is that in this day and time, a Jewish man that would have done what Christ did would have most likely had to have went through some sacrifices in a seven-day period of where he would be cleansed, right? And so what we see is that this is just a significant... What I wanted to point back to before we get into talked about the reason Christ sat down was because whole in job was to save this woman exactly where she was that he knew that this woman would be at this well in the need of a savior that Christ met exactly she was. He didn't ask her to clean her life up first. He didn't ask her to, to be a good woman or in, and to do the right little things first. He met her exactly where she were, was, and, she, and he revealed himself to him. He taught her about the water of truth, the water that would quench all thirst, the salvation that he offered to mankind. He meets this woman exactly where she was. And we see that towards the end of the story that Troy talked last week, and as we get into it this morning, as this woman had an encounter with Christ that was life-changing. This woman had an encounter with Jesus that changed her life, that, that her sins were now forgiven through Christ Jesus, and she is now understands who this man is, and this is where her hope lies. And the reason why that is so, so important as we get into the first point is that conversion leads to evangelism. That when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, it leads you to tell those around you about Jesus. That when you come to Christ, it leads you to tell those about Christ. And what we see in verses 28 and through 30, it says this. So the woman left her water jar, went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I have did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and they were coming to him. And so what we see is that this woman, she has this encounter with Jesus. She's at this well. She's filling up her jars with water. And she's at this well. She talks to Jesus. She realized that this man is the Christ. She comes to this understanding that not only did he tell her all that he had done, but he had offered her forgiveness and salvation, even though she was sinful, broken, and fallen, and away from God, that he had offered this forgiveness. To the point that what we see that her response is, is that she leaves her jars the well and she runs to town uh, and really why I want to make a point of this is as we prayed and as we talked about a few times this past month on Sunday nights is that the word of God is is inspired by God and it's the words that God had for us so every little word that we find in scripture is important especially when we read a words like this that, so the woman left her water jar a woman left her water jar we may read over that. We may skip over that. We may not even think much about that because what we're about to see is a woman that was known for uh, being a harlot goes into town and tells everybody about Jesus. But let's not skip over the fact that she left her water. Now, when you think of a water, you may think of a mason jar. You may think of the, the cute little in things that people sprinkle over their, water, their, their, their tomatoes or their roses. Uh, when we think of a water jar, it may be several different things. Uh, I think of this purple one, Sarah wanted one time, but I didn't buy it for her. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think of that thing right there is that, you know, we, we water our flowers with, and so we don't have to cut the spigot on and do it. Um, but a water jar in this day would have been very similar to, uh, have you ever seen how they make sauerkraut in a urn, the big urn thing? You know how heavy those things are? 
right? Y'all know what I'm talking about here? All right, so this is what, this water jar at this time would have been a solid clay pot that, that they would have put this water in it. It would have weighed, after the water was in it, there's no telling, it would have weighed 50, 60 pounds because this is the water that they were going to use all day. And then when this water ran out, they just didn't have water again, right? And so they washed their clothes, they washed their utensils, they drank with, they bathed with, they used all of this water for a purpose. And so this woman, when, she, when it says that she left her water jar, there's two possible reasons why she would do something like this. First and foremost, I would think it's natural to assume that it, it was for pure speed that she couldn't carry this 50-pound water jar into town as she was in a hurry. She couldn't have taken, taken this good news of Jesus Christ in a hurry to the town if she was carrying this big jar with her. And second one is a promise. Savior. She was coming back to this well to meet this man again. That, that she left this jar because she was in a hurry and that she was coming right back. And that's just a beautiful thing we're going to see. The second this woman, she goes to her hometown, to Sychar, and she goes back to this hometown. And as I said earlier, she is known for something. She is known for being a harlot. She is known for her lifestyle. And there was so much to the point that she is going to the water fountain at the middle of the day, not with the other women. And she goes up to town and she starts proclaiming, Jesus is the Christ. She starts proclaiming, this man told me everything that I have ever did. Is he the Christ? And she started just putting this, implanting this thought into the people's head, declaring what he has done for her, declaring who he could be for them. And in this moment, we see that this is such a significant thing because what she is known for only a few hours before was being a woman that was married to five different men. And she didn't care at this point. She didn't care what she was known for. She didn't care about her past or sinfulness because what she understood was that there was a Savior that was at the well that was providing eternal life, an eternal uh, water that was going to quench all thirst of this life. And whenever she went to town, she was proclaiming what Christ had done for her. Now, as earlier I mentioned, and asked you to think about when you come to go Christ. Now, I want you to think about that moment now. Maybe you were five 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, I don't know how old you were. Think back to that moment that you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that He called your name and you responded accordingly. Think back to that moment and think back to the way that you lived. Many of us, if you were five or six, you may be thinking, well, I didn't live that bad. I mean, how, how much sin can a five-year-old really do? Five-year-old can show anger. Parents. Five-year-old can do all sorts of evil. And we don't like to think about it because we like to think of our five-year-old as that cute little boy or girl playing baseball or, or running around doing whatever. We don't like to think of our children as depraved creatures, but we are. If we don't know Christ, we are depraved and we are destined for a place called hell. And what he's getting at, what I'm trying to get at here, is that so often when we read this story, we want to mark this woman up to be this horrible person that was living in sin and living away from God. But in all reality, each and every one of us was there before we knew Christ. That even if we were 5 or we were 35 or 95, we live in sin and we rebelled against God. And because of that, we are no different than this woman was when she met Christ. But what we see is that when she met Christ, it changed everything about her. That what she immediately did was she went back to her hometown. She went back to the same streets that she lived her lifestyle on and she started to proclaim who Christ was be significant first and foremost this morning sometimes it takes a hometown evangelist to reach the hometown 
Sometimes you, as the believer, you as the one that is called by Christ to take the gospel to the world around you, you have to share the gospel in your hometown. You have to share the gospel to Vernon, Alabama. If we want to see the law saved revival happen, we want to see Lighthouse Community Church grow and people be baptized and come to Christ in salvation, it begins by the redeemed going into the world and sharing the gospel to those around them. It doesn't stop there. That's where it begins. Next thing I want to get into about this is that what we saw in verse 8 is that these disciples, these 12 men that were following after Jesus, that had surrendered their life to Him and was living with Him and traveling with Him wherever He went, they just got back from this town. Right? They came back from this town. They were buying goods. They were doing business. They were trying to get back to Jesus to feed Him. And what they were focused on was material things. And what we see is that they didn't come back with a crowd of people following them. They didn't come back with salvation after salvation story. They didn't come back with people ready to be baptized at this well. What they came back with was some food and some materials. That these men that were following after Jesus intently were those that came back empty-handedly when it comes to the kingdom. And why that is so significant is what we see is that this one woman that just had an encounter with Jesus that was from this town, she went and she proclaimed what Christ had did for her and people began to follow. Sometimes it takes hometown evangelists to share the gospel for people to be changed. Verse 31 through 38 goes on to say, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat you do not know about. So his disciples said to one another, Has he brought any, uh, something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food, is not to do, uh, my food is to do the will of he who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the field are wide for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together for the saying holds true one sows and another reaps i sent you to reap that uh, that for which you did not labor others have labored for which you have entered the, into labor and so what we see about this and what's going on is jesus is saying look there's two roles in this there's two there's really three but we're going to talk about in this scripture two roles in this there's the one that plants and the one that picks there's one that sows and the one that reaps. And we know how gardens work. I think we all grew up here in the South. We understand this a little bit. That when you get ready for a garden, what you have to do is you have to till the ground. You have to ready the ground. You have to put the plant in. You've got to put the seeds in the ground. You have to cover it back up. You have to water it. You have to tend to it. You have to take care of it. It is a process to do this. And then, after God does His part, after the rain comes, the wind comes, all of the time and nature happens and underneath the ground, the seeds break down, all of that, we'll see what happens is that at some point, and what it's saying here is four months later, that the crop is ready to be harvested. That there's a point where one plants and there's a point in when one grows. And there's a point in when, when the person harvests. And what we're going to see in these two points here is that each and every one of us, we play a role in one of these two areas. All two areas were either to plant seeds and share the gospel, or were to share the gospel and then harvest the fruit. We're to share the gospel to break down walls. It, it takes, uh, I think the average now is like 25 times for one to hear the gospel before they respond to it. 
right? So it takes time. It's a process. We share the gospel. We make relationships. We build them up. We invite them to our house. We love on them. We take care of them. We do what we can to build relationship with these people. We share the gospel with them, and then you may never harvest anything from it. But what you may hear about is a year later, that person comes to know Jesus. Um, I think a perfect example of this is um, for those that, those that come regular and those that um, have been about two years now. Uh, y'all remember Zach, the young boy that preached for me a few times? Uh, the one his car caught on fire, and then the next time he preached, he told us about he went on a date and forgot his wallet. Yeah, he's, he's got some good luck. Uh, Zach is one that when I was a youth pastor at Stansel, I mean, I preached the gospel to him week after week, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. We met with each other every Thursday. I mean, every Thursday. And then I leave, I come here, and God moves us this direction. And then I hear about three, four weeks later that he comes to know Jesus. I wasn't jealous that Josh Elliott got to lead him to Christ. I wasn't jealous that I did all of this work and that I didn't get to reap this. What I understood was that I did all this work to get him to the point where God was working on his heart. When you sow, when you reap, it, it doesn't matter what your responsibility is. That's what it's saying here at the end. Other reaps. That one role is not better than the other, but you as a believer, if you do your job, you share the gospel, you take the good news of Jesus Christ to you your community, then you may be you may be planting seeds. You may be relationships and you may never reap from that but there will be a day that you may hear that that friend that loved one comes to know jesus and what you can look back on and you can know it's because you were a hometown evangelist you were one that shared the gospel with those around you so not only do we see we go on to see he says for the harvest is ready it's a perfect segue to the next point here is what we're going to see is that he was talking to the disciples uh, intently here He's saying, look, my, my food is, the one, is doing the will of the one that sent me. That I'm nourished by serving the God. He had the same urgency that this woman at the well had. He had the same urgency. She wasn't worried about taking her water and he wasn't worried about eating because he knew what was coming. He knew what was on its way to him. What we see, Samaritans were coming to him. And he looked at them and he says in verse 35, the wide of harvest. He's saying, look, it's time. It's time for us to do a work. Are you ready? Are you ready to do this thing? And then we get to verses 39 through 42. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I have did. So the Samaritans came to him and they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed for there two days. And many more believed because of His Word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. This is the most significant part of this story. It's not the woman taken and running to town without a water. It's not the disciples understanding that the harvest was coming. It is this point right here is that salvation is a work of God. That all we are is one that plants the seeds or we reap the, the product. We are not the one that does the growing. We are not the one that does the work. We are not the one that convicts or calls one to Christ. It's what he says here. Is verse 39, Many Samaritans from the town believed, and because of the woman's testimony, I have done ever. So they, they begin to believe. They begin to question who this Messiah, who this Christ was, because this woman simply told them a testimony. She told them about what this man had done for her. 
And then it goes on in verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay there. And they stayed there two days in 41. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said. We believe for we have heard it for ourselves. And we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. The point in all of this is that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is the one that calls one to Himself. It's one that convicts the heart and leads one to salvation. It's the one that brings the water. Just think about it. Think about it in the process of growing and planting things. Most of the time when we water our plants and we do these things, what we're doing is we're trusting on God's will to be happening. Right? On the rain to come, the sun to come. We trust on these things to happen. It's the same thing with salvation. And this is here is that God is the one that does the growing. God is the one that does the convicting. God is the one that does the calling. And But the point is, is that our testimony, our lives have to speak so loudly they believe it. But they don't yet believe it for themselves and they will believe it for themselves when God calls. And so I come back to the question that I began with this morning is are you a believer? Do you know Christ is your Lord and Savior? Can you think back to that moment where you surrendered your life to Him? If you can, I would encourage you to speak with me, to talk with me as Troy sings the last song later or afterwards. But if you can, my question would be is, are you this woman? Can you go and tell the gospel to people in such a compelling way or tell your testimony in such a compelling way that they begin to believe you? They don't believe them for themselves, but they believe that you believe in what you believe in, right? That they believe that Christ is real because you were so strongly and so convinced of it that you would share it to your hometown, to those around you, those that knew your past. See, in all reality, it doesn't matter the addictions, the, the strongholds, it doesn't matter the sin, the struggle us, the drunkenness, none of that matters anymore. What matters is the Christ that has saved you. And when you really understand that Christ saved you from depravity and saved you from hell, then what And so, many of you know this story. It's not one that I'm happy or proud of. Um, but yesterday... Um, they, the ones laughing know, right? Uh, so yesterday, Randall's going to give me, uh, uh, I, I put myself out there in a moment like this, know that I'm going to get made fun of. Uh, but anyway, hey, hey, hey. So yesterday, I was born, burning leaves and piles. And so what happened was I had one leaf pile, moved it to another, and I was pouring gas on it, and then ga- the, the fire got back in the gas can. Never had that happen, didn't know what to do. So what I decided to do was take it and throw it into my lake. I don't think that was a bad decision. But what was a bad decision was the fact that it was really hot and I dropped it about three times on the way. And when I did that, I thought my entire uh, left side of my house, that that wooded area by the lake, I really thought it was gonna catch on fire. So what I did was I called 911, then uh, I knew Lynn would be in town. So I called Lynn to come up there and then I called Sarah and told her not to freak out. You know, that's just my progression there, right? And so, but this amazing thing happened after I called 911. And none of you are going to be surprised about what happened. I had about five or six men that came to the house. Uh, I know Lynn came, and I know um, Clyde came, and Scott King came, and about three, two other men that I really didn't know came, three other bit came. Um, but the reality to it is, 
this amazing thing happened in that moment, and it's something that's not new to most of you, because most of you are a part of something like this, right? You're a part of a rescue squad, fire department, or you've been at that part in your life. That's actually how this church got started. And what was so amazing to me, the only person that knew where, the only person that knew where I lived and knew whose fire it was was Clyde and Lynn. And I don't even know if it, passed, it crossed your mind that it was my house whenever you came. Uh, and so, okay, yeah. Came, the people that came, they had things going on, right? Think about Scott King. Uh, I don't know what everybody else was doing, but Scott, for example, was putting a light up at the, the car wash. And what he did when he heard that call, he didn't know whose house it was. He didn't know what was going on. He just knew a brush fire, fire in town. And what he did was he put the light bulb down, and he came and he went to fix whatever the issue was. Now, it's Scott, so it may have made it worse. I don't know. But, uh, but what he did was, and what all them other men did, was they put whatever they were doing down to go and to help and to fix whatever the issue was. Not new to most of you. Most of you know that. Most of you practice that. If you had a loved one that called, you would do that. But see, the God Christ is something that we put everything else above at times. We put our husband or our wife or friends or family or kids or, or children, we put all of these things above sharing the gospel with somebody. Taking that, we, we, put a, we put getting to where we're going in such a hurry in life instead of sitting down and talking to that person at the gas station for 10 minutes about who Jesus is. So often we're willing to sacrifice all the time in the world for other things in this life. And as just a perfect example as yesterday, but so often are we willing to share the gospel with those that are lost? to take an hour a week to invite somebody to our house to eat dinner with our family and to just build that relationship with them and so we can gospel-centered relationship with them so that we can share the good news of Jesus with them. So often, we're just like the disciples that we go to town, we get caught up in the business in the, of this life and we're focusing on getting the product done, getting our job done, and doing what we're supposed to do it. That we've been saved We've come to Christ in salvation, and we should respond like we have been. We have a good news that is above all else that saves the life. As Jesus says, it's the water that quenches all thirst for eternity long. But how often do we do that? And I don't like comparing ourselves to people in Scripture. I think that's a, I think that's a mistake we can make often. But what I do find important about this Scripture, as joy comes, is what we see is that the good example was the woman that had been saved for less than a minute. The good example was one that came immediately out of lifestyle of sinfulness. And what it led to was her going to her hometown, swallowing her pride, her doubt, her, her image, and declaring that the Savior was at the well. This morning, I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ. Maybe you need to come to Christ's salvation. Pray that's how it happens. I'll tell you how to do it. Most of us here were saved. Most of us here, you would probably claim to be a follower of Jesus. And my question is, is, do you want to see a revival happen in this church? Do you want to see it happen in this town, in this city? Do you want to see your lost friends and lost family members come to know Christ, that when they die, they have an eternity not only with God, but also with you and your family? If you want to, we'll call to be a hometown evangelist. And I promise you, promise you, that's the best way to reach those that are lost in your, friend, in, your, in your life. Heavenly Father, we come now, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the Samaritan woman.
that we can't always say she was a perfect example. And even after she come to you guys, she wasn't a perfect example. God, but what we see in a story like this is we see that you redeemed the lost. Then you use the sinful to accomplish your will. And when they do so, God, they consider it an honor to serve you. An honor to what they lose. An honor to share the gospel. An honor to be persecuted, beaten, thrown in jail. We see that all through Scripture that those that went through this persecution considered it honorable to do it for your name's sake. God, but so often we can't put off going to the grocery store for five minutes or doing whatever it is we're doing in our busy lives to share your gospel. But God, we want to see a revival in our town. God, convict our hearts. Show us where we could be serving you better. God, because you don't need to use us. You don't have to. You're a sovereign God, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the one that knows all hearts and all things. You can save those around us without even using us, God, but you have taken broken water jars to carry your mercy and your water around. And God, the amazing thing is, it shows your power more than anything else that you take something broken to fix something that's broken. We love you. We thank you.